C minor. Put it in C minor. Welcome to Interior Analysis. I'm Evan Westman. I'm cringing. <laughs> I'm David. And today we are talking about the legendary Shrek 2. So if you were a 2000s kid, you probably watched this at least once. I think it is the movie I've seen the most. I'm pretty sure there's nothing. In all of cinema? I think so. Ever. Ever. Of all time. Of all time. I was texting yeah. my brother a couple of days ago, checking with him. I was. I asked him, how many times do you think we watched Shrek 2 as kids? He said it's probably somewhere between 15 and 20. It sounds about right to me. I don't think there's anything that comes close to that. Like, we watched Ice Age a lot, but not that much. I don't think there's almost anything I've rewatched more than 10 times. I think Spider-Man 3 is up there for me, and I might have said it on the Patreon exclusive we did. I think it might be the Goonies for me. Mm. Or Scream. Ooh, it's probably Scream. I think That's the back is definitely Scream. Really fitting. You're you're a horror movie guy, right? Yeah. 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 And coming of age, that's really like that's everything. The Goonies was well, my favorite for a little while, sense. so I'm not mad at that one at all. I've never seen it. Don't be surprised. You're not surprised. I don't I, I know I actually it. like it. There's like an ugly dude in it, right? There is, and he wears a Superman shirt. Okay. So it, it checks one like, of your boxes. He's like, and we're watching it next week, all right. And then, like, there's a Chunky one. Is his name Chunk? Yeah. Wait, his name is, his name is Chunk, Chunk. Yeah, he does I the got Trouble that. Shuffle. Oh, I don't know what that is. You will. Okay. Right, in the clip. Is there, is there a token black character? No, I don't think black people exist yet. <laughs> there is a token uh, Asian character, though. Yeah. Oh, who recently He is now in everything, everywhere, all at once. Beat me to it. That was exactly what I was I've been going. sitting on it, but that's all you were going for, so I had to get there. He also was in the second Indiana Jones as short bottom, short, short round, round, whatever. Oh him. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Wow, I don't know how we already got here. <laughs> we were like thirty seconds in. Yeah, <laughs> last last time we waited an hour for our tangent. This time we got it within the first two minutes, so balance. I'm Jelani Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think this was also one of the first things we owned on dvd which is probably why it was one of our most watched things you guys have both seen this before i'm sure right oh yeah okay, yeah good. i don't have to kick either of you off the podcast many times <laughs> this was by far my favorite shrek movie and still is i'm yeah i'm gonna concur with that i did like it more than one yeah and no shade to one at all because one's great but I think this just goes beyond it in every way that it could, should. This was in critically acclaimed, that section on Netflix. Uh, As the first one is. They're right next to each other. Who, who, who acclaimed it? Well, the first one won the yeah, Oscar. I'm not mad at it. The first one won the first animated Oscar. The second one, I think, lost out to Incredibles. Well, that makes sense. I would put this over Incredibles, but I know people really like Incredibles. All right. Uh, when I see you in the next couple of weeks, we, we scrapping over that. I'll stand by it. I mean, it's maybe nostalgia, but, like, I, I should check back, because I haven't seen Incredibles in a while. I think I might have... I never really liked yeah, Incredibles as a kid. I might like fam. it more as an adult. You might want to re-up on You will like it more as an adult, because I had that same kind of... Like, I, I always liked it. 
but like it wasn't everyone like within my four friends growing up like all of them that was their favorite pixar and it wasn't even in my top three at the time and now that i've revisited as an adult i it really is like a mature movie like brad bird is really doing a lot that i don't think kids would really get like it's entertaining enough for kids to still be along for the ride but there's a lot of like satire and style choices he's trying to comment on like a whole genre of comic book and i don't think kids at least that early in their life would understand that because i didn't but as an adult i was like okay cool this is this is actually doing something i probably should revisit it i mean after all i am your biggest fan trying to think if there's anything else from that that's quotable i'm just thinking of all of syndrome's lines I am not happy, Bob. No, I hate... Not that guy. Out of all the people. In that movie, you... I can't believe you said I'm trying to think if there's anything that's quotable and no one has said my super suit. Like, are you kidding? <laughs> oh, right. I can't. I'm really... Just, I had to jump in. Like, I, wow. I wanted to give you each 10 seconds, but the fact that no one jumped on it, I just... You tell me what uh, my suit is, woman. We are talking I am the, the greatest good gun. you will ever get. <laughs> Ice to see you. Uh, uh, never heard that one before. I'm thirsty. Oh my god, wait, that <laughs> scene is... Fire. Yeah, but also... Because there's literally a fire. Okay, relevant, I was gonna say. Because <laughs> of the cop firing, and then he just... Good thing he had superpowers, I guess. Never mind, let's move on. That's kind of depressing. So, I'll, I'll start this off. We'll get into our re-initial reactions. But... I had a this movie come up in a kind of fun context a few months ago in a way that I think summarizes it quite nicely. So a few months back, I'm walking with like a group of friends and I'm in like a conversation with this other guy whose name also happens to be Evan, which doesn't matter, but does kind of make the story better. Does it? It actually does. You'll see. One of our other friends is saying like, yeah, me and my roommates have been watching a, a lot of rom-coms recently and we've been talking about like, what happens after the wedding? And then me and the other Evan at the exact same time say, Shrek 2. It was an excellent moment. And I think it speaks well to what Shrek 2 is. I feel like that was a like, Scott Pilgrim moment for you and other Evan. I hadn't thought I of that, but I agree. I don't know why. That's just the vibe I'm getting from that. I just I think we leveled imagine, up. like... <laughs> A, a camera panning over to both of you after that question was asked and you both just excitedly say it at the same time. And then there's some 8-bit graphics and like a sound cue. Yes. Plus one. <laughs> or we get like the Mario um, when he eats the mushroom sound. What is the name of that sound? I don't know. The growth sound? I don't like that. The growth sound? Term for yeah. I don't, I don't like the term for that. No. We call those moments evanescence. It, has, it doesn't happen a lot, but it's not the only time that's happened. Anyway, that was a fun Shrek 2 moment. I'll let you guys go. What what did either of you think upon revisiting this? It's still the better Shrek. Like, Shrek the 3rd, and I think there's a 4th with Rumpelstiltskin. I don't count those. Those aren't Shrek movies. I'm pretty sure those never happened. It was the gas leak. So, Shrek 1 and 2 are the only ones that matter in Shrek the Musical. And for me, my favorites in order go Shrek 2, Shrek the Musical, Shrek 1. That's because I love them all a lot. It's not saying Shrek 1 is bad. 
and Shrek 2, I agree. I think it does everything a sequel's supposed to do. It elevates it in every possible way. While also, and this is a Scream 2 narrative thing, because you know how they like to talk about what's happening in like the structure. They talk about how in sequels, you have to kind of go back and revisit and show how the first one, like, it was true and it was right, but something was off from the start that the audience didn't fully know. And Shrek 2 does that with the whole fairy godmother prince charming deal with the father and i was like okay wow this is real and it works super well and everything's better the animation the jokes donkey's better the only thing you're missing really is the dragon and i mean i like farquaad but i'll take the fairy godmother over it just for the sequences of like the potion robbery heist thing and like them breaking into the wedding and her singing i need a hero all of that. Love it. Iconic. Fantastic. All of that. Yeah. No shade to Farquaad, but yeah. Like, Fairy Godmother is a legend to your villain. I think the inclusion of Puss in Boots is amazing. I think it's super smart, and I didn't really appreciate the way they brought him in as a kid, because I haven't seen this movie in a while, but now that I have watched it as an adult, I'm like, wow, this is actually really cool how they're doing it. And I also got... I didn't realize this as a kid, but they do the Spider-Man Raimi kiss, and that's fun. Mm-hmm. I never really read it as referencing that, though. It doesn't feel like it's calling it out. Like, aside from the fact that it's like an upside-down kiss, aside from that, it doesn't feel like it's referencing that. And yeah, she has to, like, hard. clear his mouth, just like how MJ has to pull the mask down off the mouth. I guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it's the kiss. <laughs> This movie just lost points in Evan's head. Not, no, no, it, it that doesn't lose points. All right, Jelani, what did you think on revisiting it? I'm still stuck on Evanescence. <laughs> Gotta lie, me too. But I also love it. I think it's the best thing he's ever said. <laughs> uh, songs are cool. Uh, I finally understand that we're from the union scene. Yes, I never that confused the hell as out a of kid. me as a kid. Yeah, I never understood why he just let them in, and he was like, "We don't even have dental," and then he was like, "They don't even have dental," and I was like, "I don't know what this means," but he's gonna let them in because I've seen this movie enough, and now I get it, and now that scene is, I appreciate that scene so much more because it makes so much sense that the fairy godmother wouldn't even give her subordinates like common health insurance plus and booth is still my favorite and i'm gonna say his full name the entire episode he said i hate mondays in the bar like garfield and i found that funny i never even thought about this the one of you i think evan mentioned it's an interracial relationship this is the whole time i've seen shrek in the shrek movies i never saw the fourth one was there a fifth i hope so no but not yet okay Never saw it as that, and and now that just opened my whole. Cause she's a human, originally, and he's always been An Michael Myers. Mike Myers. <laughs> he's always been Mike Myers, so that's why it's interracial. <laughs> no matter who Mike Myers is in a relationship with, it's always an interracial relationship. <laughs> he is his own race. <laughs> oh my God. No, I'm 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 playing, but um. Now I need to rewatch again, which I, 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 I'm sure I won't mind rewatching to see it as an interracial relationship because then that'll make everything the king is saying at the beginning and 
everything hits so much harder. And I'm like, oh, damn. Oh, damn, this is a metaphor. Yeah, everything makes so much sense now, even though it already did. This movie this movie has layers like, like ogres and onions. And cakes. Um, I just wanted to also point out Parfait. Fun fact is this costs the same amount of money as Chicken Little. Oh, damn. That's You're true. joking. No, I think I I think I checked both of them. I think they're both 150 million, right? Yep. Oh my god. Well, I don't even know what to do with that information. I'm going to just let that sit there for a second. You give it a moment of silence. All right, thank you. <laughs> Wow. That's crazy. And I appreciated this movie so much more after watching Chicken Little. I don't know if it'll be out on Patreon by the time we're putting this up. But, um, like, I was just appreciating the lighting for one. I was just like, man, this doesn't suck. Oh, yeah. The animation, like, literally blew me away because I rewatched the first Shrek over the summer and I had not seen it in a while. And I just realized like of the time and the budget and everything but i was like oh okay wow like it's not bad or ugly but it definitely is working within the confines of what it's been given because it's not a super successful franchise but once shrek 2 came around and they saw the success of shrek 1 like and they put that budget behind it it blew me away some of the sequences even like down to prince charming having a hair nut and like you could see the details of like the lining of the hair nut into the textures of his hair and then when he ripped it off and how that changed with the lighting and this is 2004 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this does not look like a 2004 animated movie like this damn it's that old yeah and it looks i mean shrek one looks m- much more than three years older than this like they did and again no shade to shrek one like for 2001 that's good animation but this is good animation by like 2012 standard Mm -hmm. like i don't think it holds up great against something like soul that's like really recent or 20 or or 2012 are you are you talking the movie 2012 yeah oh yeah well a lot of that was animated a lot of that was animated and does look fairly clean but there's not much else I can say in praise of that movie. I never got to finish it. You don't need to. If you've seen Independence Day, you you know how it ends. <laughs> Will Smith shows up? I wish, but no. Does keep my wife's name <laughs> your alien mouth. Welcome to Earth. I was gonna say does I was gonna say does he smack like the earthquakes or something? <laughs> <laughs> show, he would have shown them. They wouldn't have even had to have a movie if he was there. Uh, the mine apocalypse stands no chance. That's all I have for the Evanescence, really. That's what we call it. If you ever get any sort of like fame or fortune, you need to make that a like perfume or cologne. I was gonna <laughs> say that sounds definitely like a a, f- a scent of some sort. Yeah. It's just a mix of both of our sweat. I mean, in that way, you could. It's still like what it's marketed as. You just split it into Evan Essence instead of <laughs> Evan Essence. You know, two different. Yeah, three. There's three products the right there. Yeah. So when are you gonna just put like Evans on the shelf? What does that look like? I'll let you know when we get sure. there. I'll have to talk it over with him. We gotta. Uh, we gotta. We have some trademarking to do. Maybe it should be a wig. Could be a wig. <laughs> I did just get a haircut, so if I could go back to the barber, 
get all my hair that I got cut off, maybe I could make a wig out of that. Do you do you think the barbers, barbers keep your hair, Evan? It was only two days ago. It might still be in their trash. Like, I might be able to get it. Okay. In any case, Shrek 2. <laughs> We've already had, like, five tangents in the first. We're not even done with initial reactions. Okay. Uh, did you have more for initial reactions, either of you? No. Okay. Like both of you guys, I was really happy how well this held up on revisiting. Like, I think I had this as a 7 out of 10 on imdb and after watching this i was like what was i thinking this is a nine this is easily a nine out of ten i have this movie practically memorized from seeing it so much as a kid and i still found new stuff to appreciate lines that i missed i still laughed at it which i was surprised at because i know all of these jokes very well the soundtrack still slaps i listened to it a ton as a kid i still listen to it now like i have many tracks from both shrek one and two on my like main rotation i hope smash mouth is up there uh i think one of the smash mouths is but that's definitely like that might be the worst of the good shrek actually it might be one of the worst songs on either soundtrack Um, did you just say it might be there's a couple that are like less than stellar and i'm not saying that is respecting all-star it's fine but, like, compared to the other stuff need... on this soundtrack, like, Pete Yorn's cover of Ever Fallen in Love, that slaps so hard. Uh, I'm gonna need the Shrek fandom to rise up and attack Evan. I'm not saying I'm All-Star is bad. I'm just saying that it's it's hardly, it's not even close to the best of the, that this soundtrack has to offer. You have two... Shrekies, we call on you to leave your swamp and attack. <laughs> Well, I'll be defended by Jennifer Saunders and I Need a Hero and the other version that's in the credits by the original What You Say singer. I didn't watch the credits. Well, then you missed out on the post credit scene where Dragon comes back with the donkey-dragon hybrid babies. That's real. No, that was in Shrek 3. No, there's a post credit scene about a minute into the credits where the dragon comes in it flies in to the courtyard, and it has, like, five dragon babies. Dragon donkey babies. Oh, I might have seen this. I was like, there's no way I missed out on this as many times as I've seen this movie. Yeah. I might have seen this vaguely. I, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, that was there. What is missing from the Netflix version, at least I think, because I didn't go all the way to the end of the credits. Did either of you have this on DVD? Yeah. Yeah. So do you know where I'm going with this? Far, far away. Yes! Yeah. I'm so glad. With Simon Cowell. I was so mad, like, they didn't show what happened if you, like, picked one of the non-three winners other than Simon Cowell singing that stupid song. Like, I, I think, canonically, I don't want to say that, only three choices, like, they actually show, like, them winning, and then the rest, like, you... Like, even if they were bad, like, Simon Cowell would just be like, nope, it's me, everybody, and then just start singing. I'm like, okay, man. Yeah, I think there's some where Shrek and Fiona go on if you pick somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because I know I watched this enough. That's part of how I knew I watched this so many times, because I remembered, like, we selected, probably not all, but many of the Far, Far Away Idol characters. Like, we saw many different endings. Yeah, we we watched that a bunch of times. And then Simon Cowell would just sing my way when I picked somebody that I wanted to win. 
They don't make them like that anymore. At least I don't they think. They don't make discs anymore like that. Yeah, but like... I don't know. That was, that was special. That was... Are you tearing up? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's crying. That'd be amazing. Just lost in the memory of Far, Far Away Idol. Um, oh my god. <laughs> they only had three endings because it was 2004 and no budget. <laughs> um... They got Simon Cowell, though. And, like, that was when American Idol was, like, I don't want to say at its peak. I don't know if it ever was at a peak other than, like, past some of the round one. I think that was around its peak, though. Yeah. I mean, granted, I was five when this came out, so I don't really know. But I did see it in theaters, though. Um, I didn't see the first one in theaters, I don't think. But I did see this in theaters. We didn't really go to the theaters like that. So, I, I wouldn't know that a movie came out unless I saw it on DVD in, like, a store. It was close to its peak. Its peak was in 2003 at the season 2 finale when it drew 38 million viewers. Okay, so this was probably being made around its peak then. Oh yeah, that's why it was definitely in the discussion. Mm. Young Gen Zers listening to this are going to be so confused. Good. going to be like, DVD? American Simon Idol? Cowell. American Simon Idol Cowell. Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> if any Gen Zer laughs like that, I need to know who. <laughs> I think the word, the letters L, O, and L just emit from their mouths. That's how Gen Zers laugh. Although, are we Gen Z? I think, technically... We might be or like Gen. It's always confusing we're... the people on the cusp at the end of the '90s. Like I see different, like charts. Gen Y, like, millennials, rollers. I'm like, so what is real? And yeah, I think by some metrics, the... like David and I are Gen Z, and Jelani is a millennial. But I don't. Can you just call me old. No, I'm saying by some metrics, like depending on where the cutoff is. He said, "You're not old. You're just older." I don't like having old associated in the same sentence with me. Well, we're starting to feel nostalgia for stuff, so I think we are starting to be old. How do you guys? 20, 23. 23. 22. Yep. You just said yep. I put out two numbers and you say yep, David. Oh, I thought you said, I just heard 23 and then I heard you say 22. I don't know. I thought you were just talking to yourself. I do that sometimes, but I have two people that Yeah, 23. Okay, you're both. Okay. But speaking of generations. I think it's safe to say that Shrek and Shrek 2 are kind of like our generation's movie. Like, it's it's a movie that our generation, I feel like, has kind of claimed as ours. Do you guys think that's fair to say? That and Raimi Spider-Man. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I don't claim that. No, I agree. I think that's why it's also in it. Because yeah. it was like, what, three years or two years after Spider-Man, so... Yeah. Spider-Man may bank. Yeah, I wish I could disagree with you, but you're right. It, Spider-Man is, unfortunately, another of our generation's movies. I also but... think Pirates of the Caribbean is claimed by our generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I claim and that. And Harry Potter. Harry Potter, definitely. Yeah, but I feel like our generation specifically has a little less of a stake on Harry Potter. Like, that's that, that kind of no. resonates across enough ages that... I'm not saying it's not, like, tied to it, but, like, there are, like, adults who got into Harry Potter as it was coming out, so. Whereas, like... I think it was... Well, I'm sure there were some adults who got into Shrek. Yes. I'm just, like, we claim, like, that, like, if you ask someone from 
It's like SpongeBob. Like adults like SpongeBob, but our generation has claimed SpongeBob as like that is ours. Yeah. Like, you 90s kids, you can have all your like all that and all that's and Keaton Kells, but like SpongeBob is ours. Key and Peel, also ours. That was later, yeah, for but sure. definitely ours. Well, that's when we had like we were older than too, so it matched up. Yeah. It was more mature. Mm-hmm. But I think of those, Shrek is the best. It's the one I am most proud to claim as, like, being of our generation. Evan, you're good, man. You're not defending, like, a shit movie. You don't have to, like... No, but I feel like there's people, like, some amount of time older than us who don't quite get why Shrek is such a big deal. I kind of want to stand up for, like, some of the taste of our generation. Like, this is a place where we have good taste. We don't claim... Three and four, but one and two are, you know, they're solid. They're worth the hype. I did notice this time how good the character drama is, because I didn't pick up on that really as a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't think it runs through the whole thing. But for the first act, I feel like you can remove the word ogre. And most scenes of this play out like a family drama about an interracial relationship. That kind of drops off after get out of the castle and like Puss in Boots comes in that kind of isn't really there anymore but the first act I was like damn like some of these scenes just like hit pretty hard the dinner table scene the argument between Shrek and Fiona after I was like this stands up in just like a family drama as long as you just like take out some of the kids stuff that's like in the frame put that dialogue in another movie it pretty much works yeah, that's the end of my initial reactions. So let's start with why does this work so well? Because sequels, we've seen good ones, but more often we see really bad ones. And, you know, I'm not saying this is the best number two of a f- series, but it's maybe like the best sequel in the sense of following up the original. I'll start it off open-ended to both of you. Why do we think that is? David, you kind of had some answers to it earlier i feel like yeah i think it does what a sequel needs to do it needs to raise the stakes it needs to bring back what was familiar but make it different make it exciting and depending on the genre and this is a kids movie make it fun and entertaining and have the jokes for the adults while also having the jokes for the kiddies and make it good and i think this movie does that and i think it uses its budget wisely it winning the oscar and making a boatload of money allowed it to get a boatload of money for this movie and i don't think they wasted i think the sequences are flawless and i think they just execute everything at the highest standard they kind of could at the time and i think they did the same thing with the first one it's just times had changed technology had changed and the team was good enough to change with it and they evolved and i think like you said that first act like <laughs> it's funny because we talk about how this is really referencing a lot of movies and like you could really see American Beauty in that like I just was like so tense like just the whole fight even with the food flying I was like oh is an asparagus gonna hit into the wall soon Mm. and I think they're so smart with how they layered something so dramatic and so tense like that and so nuanced that like people aren't even comfortable talking about it now and it's 2022 and this is 2004 and it's a kids movie and it's gonna make a lot of money because it does make a lot of money so it is successful in that regard 
and it's still comedic the way they layer donkey when he says like donkey the way it all <laughs> goes <laughs> yeah uh, the, the, the orchestra lobster. of how the choreography of moving the plates i think it's all meticulous animation i also think they killed it with casting like they did in the first one i think antonia banderas is amazing cast i think julie andrews is amazing I forget the name of the person who plays the dad, but John Cleese. John Cleese. Yeah, yeah. John Cleese from Monty Python. He was a great choice. I think it was all just like tick, 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 amazing. And even though it starts to get a little bit more crazy in the second and third act when they do like the whole potion heist, once Puss in Boots becomes more of like an okay person with Shrek. It still is, like, insane to me that, like, the only reason Puss in Boots is even there is because he was a hitman for hire, and, like, this person, like, like you said, if you really just think about what's happening, like, this person's father-in-law, potential father-in-law, who they're supposed to be good on, has hired a hitman to kill his daughter's fiancé, like, that is... Husband. They're married. Are they already they married? They get married at the end of the first movie. Dude, they're married. Mm-hmm. Okay, so husband. And that's crazy to me. <laughs> that's crazy that that's, like, the central conflict in at least the first act of a kid's movie. And yet you don't feel the heaviness of it at all. Well, because it was the cat. That... Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about how movies are written, Jelani. Come on. It's the cat. Let's go. Elaborate. And Antonio Banderas was the cat. Uh-huh. I think his name was Garfield. Oh, no. <laughs> and... And he wore, I think, sunglasses. <laughs> he had a um, monocle. <laughs> either that or the full thing. Two monocles. Michael Myers from the Halloween movie was cast as the main character. They never make that joke in any Shrek movie, do they? I don't think so. I don't think so. The sequel, it works. Why does it work? Ditto to everything y'all said. I like particularly the world building of far far away the kingdom because isn't it mentioned in the first one but you think they're just like messing around that it's like from a far far away land but the kingdom is actually called far far away yeah that's like it's like a sass because the first one is all a satire and fairy tale so it works in that regard where you're like oh she's from far far away yeah lol but then they made Far, Far Away Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I like that it's, it's Hollywood. And every, everybody plays their role really well in this. Uh, Antonio Banderas. I just like that they did more with it. I think that's why it worked for me. Because it went, it went bigger than the self-contained first one. But it doesn't just go bigger, I think. Because like, we've seen plenty of sequels that... I mean, nothing has scaled up bigger than the Fast and Furious franchise. But I don't know if I can call those good sequels. So bigger does not always equal better. I think it is good that this went bigger. Like, I think that was a good decision. But it can't just go bigger. Marvel. Marvel has done well scaling up, I think. I'm saying, like, didn't they... You said nothing went bigger than the Fast and Furious. Marvel had... Marvel went universal, I think. I'm saying compared to the start. Because Marvel does scale up, but it also starts fairly big. It starts with a dude in a suit. Yeah, a but that's bigger than street, street racing in regular cars. Now I think they've gone to space, had tanks and planes and submarines. That's fair. I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. A major thing that I think makes it work is 
everything evolves naturally and it stays consistent. Nothing in this like retroactively invalidates anything that happens in the first movie. Like we're not bringing back any villains. Like there's there's not a threat of like Shrek and Fiona like divorcing or anything. Oh, I'm so glad they didn't go that route. I didn't even think about that. I cannot stand that. Yeah, I think... I don't know if there's that many movies that take that exact route, but I know there's a number of franchises where it's like, the first movie happens, we win, but then, uh-oh, no, we didn't in the second one. And it's like, all right, well, what was the point of the first movie then? And this doesn't do that. Like, it lets everything from the first movie stand, and it's like, all right, what happens next? And everything in this feels natural. It's like, yes, now Fiona's parents want to meet her new husband. Surprise, it's Shrek. And, like, everything that comes from that feels very natural. The world is still consistent. We're not in the same place. But we kind of have, like, the same world values there. Where, like, ogres are no more accepted in Far, Far Away than they were in Duloc in the first one. They had pitchforks in the courtyard. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the only difference is, like, people are actively trying to kill Shrek from the word go in the first movie. They at least hold off a l- for a little while in Far, Far Away. But... Before hiring somebody else to kill him. Right. So there's, like, the slightest bit of restraint. But basically, like, the values are the same there. Like, basically, ogres are not accepted here. We are bigoted. That's pretty much like consistent so it's not like he's going to like a world where ogres are fine and like all forms of fairy tale creatures are like living in harmony like shrek zootopia so but i I think that's good but i also like that it is a new setting because i don't think there was anything more for us to do in duloc after the end of the first movie there are only, like, two things that I think are only slightly worse in this movie compared to the first, or that I wish it did better, but they're not very big gripes. I think Fiona gets a little sidelined. I was gonna bring that up when you were done. Mm-hmm. Going into rewatching this, I was like, oh, they really sidelined Fiona. They don't do it as much as I remembered. Like, she doesn't get to do anything fun, which is kind of disappointing. Because she was at least along for the ride on the quest, at least like for the second half in the first movie. So she like got to do stuff there. She got to kick ass at one point. We didn't get any of that, at least not in the bulk of the story. We get a half a second in like the opening montage, but that's it. But despite that, we do still get some good backstory with her. And like she has consistent goals and motivations throughout this. There's just not a lot for her to do actively, which is disappointing. I don't think they disservice her character. I think it would help, though, if somebody, like... The the one casting choice I dislike in both of these movies is Cameron Diaz as Fiona. I feel like she deserved a better voice actor. Because everyone else in this is just, like, bringing so much flair to it. And, like, no shade to Cameron Diaz, but she just has kind of a generic voice. I feel like they could have found someone better. Like Hoomst, Evan. I don't have a specific person they could recast, but I think they could have done better in that regard. Maybe she had, like, a lot of clout in the early 2000s, and that was, like, gonna I'm get butts sure in seats. Did. 
Yeah, I don't think I've seen her in anything live action, but I know she's in a lot of stuff. Charlie's Angels. That was somewhere around, I think. Wasn't that late 2000? I don't know. No, that was early. Yeah. Okay. Late 90s, early 2000s with the sequel. Then she was in The Mask. And then she was in another Gangs of New York. Oh, yeah, that's... Oh, okay, so I have seen her in something else. Yeah, that's a small gripe. But even so, like, I think... I I do like how they build out her backstory. I think that is done very well here. Also, like, Shrek doesn't have quite as strong of an arc in the sequel, but I don't really have a problem with that, and we'll get into why. It would be nice if he had an equally good arc, but, you know, I did a whole video on his arc in the first one. It's it's a high bar to clear, and I think they do a good job. Like, everything with him is still consistent. It's just not quite as complete of an arc as the first one. What is his accent? Scottish, I guess. Yeah, like a swampy Scottish. <laughs> Donkey! Whatever that means. Okay. So let's get into the villains, because... We have, I said A-tier villain for Fairy Godmother. I think she might actually be an S-tier villain. I can't think of too many that compare to her. She actually, I was noticing this time, has a lot of similarities to the Joker in The Dark Knight and how she, like... Yeah, please explain that. She Well, she has a lot of plans. Hers are more long-term than his. Because she's been planning this for a solid, like, 25 years, it seems like. But when everything goes wrong for her... She still rolls with it, improvs expertly with the happily ever after potion. How many other villains can pivot like that? Shrek, I don't understand why Shrek didn't just mollywop her right there in the in the room. Like she closed the doors on him, but Shrek's still Shrek, dog. So why why ain't he just like Rip put that the fairy's head off, you ogre? Because yeah, she's manipulative the like the Joker. I'm not gonna spoil that scene in the Dark Knight, but Hit me. She manipulate no, wrong one. That's the only one I remember. And then That's when he's in drag, he was driving. Oh, yes, the nurse. David. Yes, that that scene. It's. I mean, it's a. They're they're pretty similar scenes now that I'm thinking of it. Shrek probably. Well, she's she is physically powerful. Like she has magic on no. her side. So she has the wand and can fly. I don't, I don't know what you mean by physically. Magically. Yeah. Well, in a like beyond mental capacity. I don't know what we'd call that magical i guess maybe i'm overthinking it but she's powerful in that sense and in that scene you're talking about she plays into shrek's insecurities expertly like that is some great villain stuff right there yeah but like why wouldn't she assume he's just not gonna turn into the brute she thinks he is and just murder her right there and then there because I think she doesn't entirely believe what she preaches. I think she knows he does have a heart and he, and she's playing on it. Because she's very bigoted, but she's not stupid. Don't you point those dirty green sausages at me. Yeah, well that scene as well, I think, has some good manipulation. Where she's basically spitting history at him with the fairy tales. No ogres. Hands the girls no ogres. <laughs> also, I like that Pretty Woman is one of the uh, fairy tales that she mentions. I've never seen it, but it is, I know enough about it to get the joke. Oh, she was referring to the movie? Like, yeah. I thought it could have been a fairy tale. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the joke. No, the Julia Roberts movie. Okay, I don't... 
That doesn't help me. <laughs> well, it's out there. It exists. <laughs> it's a modern day fairy tale, essentially. Oh, thank you, David. <laughs> anyway, I think she's a pretty top tier villain. Anything to add there? Not really. You've covered all the bases for me. Like, as much as Farquaad's funny and you can meme on him, I would legitimately be a little scared of Fairy Godmother. Mm -hmm. Like, the same way Ursula and Scar operate where they know their enemies' insecurities and Uh... they play to them and they get you to run away or give up your voice or change how you look. Like, that is... No. The next level manipulation that Farquaad couldn't do. Definitely. He was too incompetent and short for that. I'm pretty sure she's probably smaller than him. Actually, no, she might be she might be about the same size. But that makes way more sense to me now comparing them to Ursula and Scar. That makes Thanks again, David. I think one of the reasons the next two movies don't measure up to this one is that they don't have as good of a villain. Prince Charming is a natural choice for the next villain in the third one. Don't spoil four. I didn't see four yet. I don't even remember four well enough to spoil it for you, but Rumpelstiltskin is, he's not it. Like, didn't I just say to not spoil four? And what did you do with him? I didn't know who the villain was in four. I didn't know anything about four other than they were other ogres. Okay. Well, I won't say any more about it. Um, no, it's too late. You might as well tell me, you know, <laughs> go ahead. You're not missing get this, much. You're break the script much. out and go ahead and start Fade reading. In. Interior. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Honestly, I think I remember that, so I don't think you really spoiled anything. I figured. So, like, the beginning of it. Here's one last question for villains, though. Do we think this counts as a three-villain movie? No. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. I would think you'd really have to be stretching it to get three. Yeah. I'd barely count the two. Prince Charming's just kind yeah, of Yeah, I wouldn't following. give two either. Because yeah. I don't think Prince Charming is a villain because he's really incompetent. And then I wouldn't give the dad to be a villain because he has an arc. So, like, to me, it really is. And Puss in Boots is not a villain. Like, if anyone said he was a villain, you're crazy. So, like, to me, it really is just Fairy Godmother. I think the king mostly counts as a villain but he has his arc don't you think to not that it's a good movie but to refer to the classic three villain movie harry osborne also has an arc in spider-man 3 and is not a villain in the climax but we count him as a villain in that if we're functioning under the same logic i think the king counts as a villain here prince charming i'm with you there he he you're selling me on that he doesn't count but I think the king counts as a villain. But he's not like... I was going to say... The only reason I don't count him as much as I could see your Harry statement is because Harry isn't operating under anybody as much as I think he's being he's operating under a fairy godmother. Maybe that's why that's I see true. her. Because she's like the overall big bad and he's just like a subordinate. Like maybe like one and a half. Yeah... I don't want to say he's not a villain at all, because he does have some autonomous villainy. His bigotry yes. at the beginning is not for, like, he. that's just him. That's not the fairy godmother manipulating him. After that, yes, I, I agree with you. He's not, like, acting on his own. You um, put it that way. But even way. after that, I still think, like you said, even though he's not acting on his own, he's doing a lot of malicious stuff, like hiring the hitman. Even the imagery, like, with him in the moonlight with the axe. And she says, use your imagination. Like, are they just giving the audience the sense that he is going to do something bad? Mm -hmm. He's not to be trusted or liked. 
Yeah. All racists are, are villains, is what we're learning here today. Yes. Hopefully you didn't hear it here, hear it here first. But if you did... If you did, uh, <laughs> first of all, you're welcome. Second, you need to open your eyes a little bit more. Get some help. <laughs> if you're doing drugs, stop it. Get some help. Get some help. <laughs> so, to bring us into our next topic... I think the king might be the key to this movie's success. I've been talking a lot, so you guys, do you want to? Do you have anything you want to start off with for the king? The princess and the frog. They don't directly reference that. And he was originally it. The princess and the frog was like a dude that turned into a frog and then became a dude again, right? Kind of like Beauty and the Beast. That sounds but, right. Um, so for this, he was originally a frog and then became a man and then went back to being a frog. Coincidence? I think it was supposed to be like a, a spin on that. They don't ever mention the, like, as self-conscious as this is and like satirical, like, they don't ever mention the princess and the frog directly, which is strange. I don't think they do in three either. Yeah, I don't think they do. Um... But like you're saying, it's not exactly like that story. Although, like, we don't get a full sense of how that worked. After seeing it 20 times, I think I've been able to piece it together. That, like, stop me if this is obvious, but, like, I I think it starts off with, like, Harold's a frog, and then the fairy godmother agrees to turn him human because he's in love with Lillian, the queen. And then, in exchange, he has to have... Fiona marry Charming when they get older. That's so she can, like, have, like, political power, right? Because if not, that that's just weird and creepy. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like it, because... I mean, it's weird anyway, but, yeah. I know, Jelani, you won't necessarily get this reference, but I know Prince Charming looks like Jamie Lannister, but I think the relationship between them is more like Cersei and Joffrey. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Woo! The prince is the pawn, and the mother is the real power behind the throne. At least that's the Game plan. of Thrones. <laughs> yep. We all watched it. I don't I don't know if you would see this as a non-Game of Thrones fan, but there are so many side-by-side memes of Jamie Lannister and Prince Charming. I know who Jamie Lannister is. The minute you watch it, you're going to die, because he's just him. I think I literally <laughs> thought Prince Charming, the, the, like the first episode of Game of Thrones I watched, I was like, that guy's just Prince Charming. <laughs> like, that's literally him. It's not anybody else. Oh, yeah, he is. That's crazy. I mean, with the haircut, not with the short haircut. I don't know when he got the short one. Yeah, like, very beginning of Game of Thrones, Jamie Lannister looks exactly like Prince Charming. Oh, that's strange. So, back to the king. What, el- what else with him? I have more notes, but I want to hear you guys. I mean, I really haven't thought about the king like that, so... All right, I'll try to run through it quick then. I think the the biggest success with him is that he has the biggest arc in this. Like, if the theme of the movie is changing for the people you love, he embodies that the most with unlearning his bigotry for Fiona's sake. You think it's purposeful the frog has the biggest arc? Because of hopping the arc from the... I see what you're doing there, but... Ribbit. (laughs) I Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how strongly I can get behind it. He croaked. He does croak. 
it does seem like his arc kind of results in like a societal acceptance of ogres at the end like as i recall i haven't seen three and four in a while but i don't think people are as bigoted against ogres in those movies i think it kind of runs its course at the end of this but it is a difference from shrek one where the world does not change at the end everything that changes in that movie is all internal for shrek and fiona Farquaad gets eaten, and then, like, all the fairy tale creatures move away. There's not really an acceptance societally there. So that is kind of another nice upscaling from one. Although I feel like there isn't, like, a huge textual indication that, like, the rest of Far, Far Away has, like, gotten on board with ogres are fully realized people too. That was the end of it. I think he's great. John Cleese is a legend. Uh, next topic is um, continuing a character arc. So I don't think Shrek's arc, like I said, is as good in this as it is in the first. But it's still, you know, I think it's a natural progression of where he is at the end of the first and the situations he's presented with here. So I'm not mad at it. I think it's just not quite as strong. Do we think his relationship with the king is an arc or is that just an external conflict because it's it doesn't last very long i mean it's resolved by the end though it's resolved by the end but i think like does it require like a full arc of change from him is more of my question no david i don't think so i think it's an external conflict yeah because he's acting out of well he's kind of just being a bigot when he first meets him and then out of fear he kind of just apologizes and then gets not gets over it but like moves past his bigotry i get what you're saying though because like in philadelphia has anyone seen philadelphia no well philadelphia is pretty much tom hanks he has aids and he's dying and he needs to get representation from a lawyer and tom hanks himself was a lawyer so he goes to his competitor, who is played by Denzel Washington, and Denzel Washington has, because it's in the 90s, has this whole kind of bigotry towards gay people, and then especially gay people with AIDS. And, like, the whole resolution for both of their arcs is, like, they come together in the end when Tom is dying, and, like, Denzel helps put the oxygen mask on Tom Hanks' face, and that shows, like, the character's growth. But that's because, like, that's literally the whole movie. And I feel like... The conflict with the dad and Shrek really falls off in the second act, and it comes back in the third act, but that's just because, like, they're both at that ceremony, whereas it's not, like, the actual story itself. I feel like both of their arcs kind of aren't reliant on that, and they just use, or the screenwriters use their conflict with each other as just that, as a conflict that kind of visually shows maybe their arc is complete but i don't think that in itself is their arc well i think the king's arc spans the entire movie like i'll say i mean i think shrek does too but i don't think they they're like connected the same way and so that their conflict is what is like the resolution for their arcs yeah yeah i think that's fair but i would also say that i think shrek's arc in that sense i think he he kind of has two that sort of like one he, he goes one and then the other it's like the first act if we can even call it an arc, like, he comes around on, like, giving the king and, like, 
Fiona's parents a chance. Because, like, as soon as they have that argument, Shrek and Fiona, after dinner, the next opportunity he gets when the king knocks on his door, he's like, yes, let's let's try and start over. We got off on the wrong foot. It doesn't take a lot. I mean, it, it's like a big argument, but it doesn't take a long time to convince him. So I feel like that's an arc, but not one that I would... It's like a mini arc, I guess. It's almost more just like he's been convinced. It's not like a major change. And then his second one starts up when... Well, I don't know exactly when it starts, but it's like basically him doubting like whether his marriage to Fiona can last. Like, introduce Prince Charming. What if she can have somebody else, like the guy she's always dreamed of marrying do i stand a chance which i think is a personally i think is a weaker arc i'd be willing to hear counter arguments but I, I think it works but it's not quite as compelling as his first one i see that because i never thought of it that way i always thought because i definitely saw the first like the first one i don't really count as an arc because it is such a conflict that's resolved it's like if anything it's just like a hurdle like it's literally just like a pinch and then he's just like through it but the second one, I never saw it that way. I always saw it as, because the line of dialogue that Fiona has where he's like, strikes to something where it's like, I'm an ogre and that's not changing. And she's like, well, that's a shame because I've made changes for you. And I always thought that was like, the thing he was like wrestling with this movie was like, how far is he willing to change himself for his marriage? But I can see the whole Prince Charming thing. I never read it that way, but I could definitely see that. I think it's both, and I don't know if they gel perfectly. I think that's where it's a weaker arc. Like, I do like that this movie goes more complex than the first one. Because I think Shrek 1 thrives off of its simplicity. It does its simple thing perfectly. And to its credit, I think this does... It, it takes more complexity and does it pretty well. That is an area where Shrek doesn't have the cleanest arc, and... I think it is a little bit tough to tell. Like, yeah, textually, I feel like in dialogue, there is a decent amount said about, like, how much is Shrek willing to change for Fiona? So, and I, I think that is the more compelling arc for him to have. But in terms of his actions, it feels more like he's insecure because Jamie Lannister showed up and he's really hot. Yeah, and he has the whole when he sees the interaction and she thinks he's Shrek and he's just kind of like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally see that. It's trying to do both at once and it's. N I'm not saying it's failing at it because like it, it pretty much works. I, I really don't have a problem with it. It's just not the cleanest arc. Only other point I had with that, uh, going back to the, I guess, the first of his two arcs. This time around, I really appreciated like his side of the argument with Fiona because most of the time watching that, like I hadn't really listened to that closely. And I always kind of assumed it was just like Shrek's just being a jerk that whole time. But I think he does make really good points both before and after going to far, far away. I was kind of appreciating it for the first time. Like, yes, I understand that Fiona like wants him to meet her parents and Maybe part of him is just, like, having normal meet-the-parents fears. But he also has a lot more experience than her with ogre racism. And 
I think it's totally fair of him to not expect that he's going to be accepted by her parents, which he's not. Even after they meet, I think they kind of overplay him being a jerk when they have that argument. When he's like, she she says like, have you ever asked me what I want? Sure. Do you want me to pack for you? Like, that's kind of an extra callous line for them to give him. But I think his his overall, like, perspective there is still valid. Like, this isn't going to work. It's pretty understandable of him not to expect the king to change his opinion. I was appreciating that more this time. And actually, another line that I missed is right before fiona falls asleep from the potion she says to her parents shrek was right we should leave i kind of forgot that she actually did come around to his point of view there that was just some extra nuance that i never picked up on just another few random notes um these aren't really topics but i wanted to bring them up we've already shouted out the soundtrack if jennifer saunders cover of i need a hero doesn't get you amped you probably weren't a 2000s kid because I feel like that's kind of a staple. I think I was watching it and realized I was like invested, even though I've seen the movie so many times. I was like, oh my god, what's about to happen? This is this is insane. It's so epic. Yeah, it's so well placed. Have you guys seen, there's an edit of the final battle from Endgame where they set it to I Need a Hero from this. I there's have, a lot. Yes. It's so good. I didn't see it, but I know there's a lot of edits. They also did the same thing with um, Thor's entrance in Infinity War. They used the, uh, what's the name of that song? The Siren Song? Where they do the... Oh, the Immigrant Song, maybe? Immigrant, yeah. Led Zeppelin. yeah, I saw that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's a question, and I didn't put the answer on my notes because I didn't want you guys to look ahead. The Fairy Godmother is actually blaming the wrong person the entire time. Who should she actually be blaming for all of this? The queen. Herself. Farquaad. I'd, I'd hear arguments for either, but no. Closer the with Farquaad, but not quite. The gingerbread man? No. Oh. The mirror on the wall? Yes. Why? I don't know. Because he's the one that did the bachelor thing. For Farquaad. Did he tell her the prophecy of Prince Charming? No, he, because the entire event of, all of the first movie doesn't happen if he doesn't tell Farquaad. That's what I was saying. He yes. does the bachelor thing. Right, yeah. exactly. Yes, what you were saying. Exactly yeah. that. I just feel like yeah. that is not. True. I, I did it. True. I did it. We need the grudge wow. match. It never happens. I did, I, if he just left Fiona alone, yeah. then none of this would have happened. Mm -hmm. Shrek would have stayed Shrek in the swamp. <laughs> well, Shrek would have left the swamp. He just would have went after some other girl. Shrek. Potentially. Yeah, because Farquaad's invading his land anyway. Or he's Farquaad's expanding with his imperialism, which sends the weird fantasy people to his land, which sends him to Doofenshmirtz or wherever he lives. And then he does like the wrestle match and then he's like all right go save this princess but if it was a different princess because the mirror never told him he could have been saving sleeping beauty and then fiona would have had prince charming and would have been a human and the frog would have been a human and she would have had political power yes and then we don't know what happens after that but probably it's bad and then it's game of thrones and then she it's really game... 
Yep. She really bursts. Like, she bursts at the end of this movie. Yeah, she blew up. Into bubbles. And that's a horrifically violent way to go. Like, there's no blood, but, like, imagine your whole body, like, blows into bubbles. Mm -hmm. Into bubbles. Yeah. And then the bubbles pop, just to add insult to insult. Injury to injury. But one of the... I mean, that is kind of the one thing bubbles reliably do. Burst? Yes. Burst is a funny word. I meant to say that earlier, but we, we brought her up again, I think. I don't know. I I tend to just insert whatever I want to say into the conversation. So, um... Okay, yeah, next thing is Shrek Super Slam. Did either of you guys ever play that? No, I think I heard of it, though. Okay, it's basically Smash Bros. for Shrek characters. Okay. I just wanted to shout that out. I never owned it, but we had a family friend that we would visit sometimes, and I played it a lot with them. Yeah, I had this. Who was your main? I had this on DS, and I think I main Puss in Boots. Yeah. Or, yeah, it was Puss in Boots, and then I would alternate between him and the Gingerbread Man. Yeah. I know well, I, I main Gingerbread Quasimodo. Man for a while. Wait, Quasimodo was in it? Yeah, they had the Hunchback in it, and I would hate him. What? This is a DreamWorks yep. property. Oh, they had a bunch. They had Humpty Dumpty. Red Riding Hood was in it. Oh, so it wasn't Disney's version of Quasimodo. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't. I don't. I've never seen Quasimodo in these movies. So I don't know what he looks like. Oh, I like Little Red Riding Hood too, because you could throw the apples. Mm-hmm. She what? You could throw apples at her. So you get the range. Yeah, I remember the gingerbread man could like spray peppermints from his from a little candy cane. They need to remake this. Yeah, I haven't played it in years. Yes, they do. They, no, what they need to do is they just need to incorporate it into Smash Ultimate. Stupid. They've got Minecraft Steve in there. My, I would why not throw some boost, but Shrek. I don't really want to see Shrek. You know who I think wasn't in it are, is um the King and Queen. I don't believe they were playable. I don't why think they would were they either. be? Because everyone else was. Well, actually, no. Farquaad wasn't. I don't think the Fairy Godmother was either. You have, like, no, your most were. OP character not playable. We didn't even see them jump. Do you think they, the people who never swung a fist would they put in a fighting game? Well, they put in Red Riding Hood. She throws apples, though. Facts. I think they also put in Pinocchio. He was in it. They did. Yeah, but he had, like, a whole Mission Impossible scene in this, so, like, that makes sense. Action. But we didn't see any of the other ones. Like, what was Fairy Mod God? Fairy Mod God. <laughs> Shooter her one. She, she has an action scene. She chases Shrek down after the... Uh, she, like, floats. In the bar. Yeah, she floats. And it's and not even... Tonight on nights, when they're chasing she, the... We didn't see her really do anything with a wand other than change something into something else, close the door, or try to murder somebody. Sorry, try to murder somebody is on the list, and you think she's not qualified for a fighting game. I'm not seeing the math here. It's imaginary math, Evan. Get on the same page. It's magical math. <laughs> magical math. They also had Smash, like, basically the same thing as, like, a final Smash. Like, I think you built up to it, and then... I forget what some of the people's things were. But that was, like, the whole point of the game. Anyway, that was a fun game, as I recall. Probably d- didn't age great, but oh well. Two more points. On our original Shrek podcast, somebody left a comment about the wolf, because I believe in that episode, 
I talked about how at the very beginning of this movie, the wolf is in Fiona's castle. And I think I said there's like no motivation for that joke. Somebody corrected me. I'm not going to... They said that the wolf needs a place to stay after getting kicked out of Shrek's house at the beginning of the first movie. And I stand corrected. I think I mentioned that on some other episode. But I wanted to mention it as well here since this is the actual movie it's from. Well, since we're talking about the wolf, I would like to add he was in Super Slam and I loved the dialogue the fairy godmother said when she said the gender-confused wolf. <laughs> now we're talking about gender as a construct in 2004. Come on, Shrek 2. So, wow, really ahead of its time. It's ahead of its time. Some gender-confused wolf. Here runs across scorching deserts, blistering winds. <laughs> He again blistering winds and scorching deserts. Legend to your voice acting. Final point, if we're done with the wolf. Ice Age ripped off Shrek, but then Shrek 2 rips off Ice Age right back for revenge. If you go watch the scene, this is this is like my murder board conspiracy theory about this. Year what? You know, like the big string board thing that Charlie told me. Um, I don't know. I think a murder board is a term for that. Like the thing the detective uses to track down the murderer. That thing. Anyway, if you go watch the scene in Ice Age where Sid and Manny meet, and then watch the scene from Shrek 1 where Shrek and Donkey meet, they're practically the same scene. And the whole dynamic in that movie is basically the same as Shrek and Donkey. But then... What Ice Age has that Shrek doesn't is a deceptive feline character who starts off opposed to the protagonist, but then defects and becomes an ally, which is exactly what Puss in Boots does. I don't remember Ice Age 2. Was that? Which one was Continental? This is all Ice Age 1. Oh. Yeah. Take that, Blue Sky, now that you're owned by Disney. Are they? Yes. Oops. Which makes it even funnier, because Shrek was just shitting on Disney in the beginning, so it's just like, wow, this is full circle. Yep. Animated diss tracks. Nope. Mm, nope. Alright, any last things we want to shout out before going to the boilerplate? What are we boiling? I want to shout out Versarchery. I saw you in Far, Far Away, and I would love to shop there. Sorry, what was that? Versarchery? Oh, like Versace? Yeah, it's their version of Versace, but it's verse of an archery. Oh, I missed that. Verse archery. I know there's a Burger King knockoff, but I can't remember what it says. Oh yeah, I saw that too. I believe there's also a Starbucks. Well, they have Friars Fat Boys. Oh, you know who we didn't shout out? The Giant Gingerbread Man. Mongo. He is the homie. Still drowning in the water. Indeed. What are we cooking on the boilerplate, Evan? Uh, we're cooking up a happily ever after potion. Our next episode is going to be Like Mike. <laughs> yeah. On Disney Plus, I believe, right? That's yeah. where it is. Mm-hmm. Just in time for the playoffs. Yes. <laughs> we have our Patreon for $1 a month. We may have a live watch along of Chicken Little on there. No promises. Where we all, last week, watched Chicken Little and had commentary running throughout it. I will encourage you to watch that. I think it's safe to say that we should not encourage anyone to go actually watch Chicken Little. No, you could just throw a commentary on. Yeah, we watched it so you don't have to. Please don't watch it. Yeah, revisit Shrek 2 instead. 
Yes, that's a better hour and a half, or less than. Much, much better. Better soundtrack, better everything. Same budget. Somehow same budget. Uh, We have merchandise on Zazzle. We have our logo by Kelsey Hendry. I am on Twitter at INTAnalysis18. No, sorry. The show is on Twitter at INTAnalysis18. I am on Twitter at Ev underscore Wes. And where are both of you at? Twitter, Jelani T. Kelly. Instagram, Jelani T. Kelly. YouTube, Beast Phoenix. Oh, I I haven't done this skit in a minute. Well, that's going to have to hold off. I got stuff to do these coming weekends. I am in far, far away. Perfect. At Verse Archery. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Bow and arrows, taking glasses, bettering myself. 2022, let's better ourselves this year, everybody. Self-care, self-love, far, far away. If you're already in living in far, far away like Hollywood, aren't you already doing well for yourself? I'm not in Hollywood. I am in far, far away. Okay. Got yeah. Late. Forget I asked. I am at Rodeo Drive. Rodeo, okay. Can we? Yeehaw. Shrek 3 on the way. No. No, I don't <laughs> want to do Shrek 3. You don't want Merlin? I do not or want Eric Idle's Justin Merlin. Timberlake. Oh, wait, we didn't mention Justin Timberlake is in this movie, too. Oh, and yeah, he, he, Justin. He plays, yeah, he's Arthur in the next movie. He's a scrap of paper. All right, bye. Bye.